Well, how many of you have ever been on the receiving end of uh, one of those characters? Anybody ever? Okay. Um, yeah, it, uh, when that kind of approach comes, it's very uncomfortable, isn't it? And uh, we don't want to be that way. I'm sure most of you won't be. But my greatest fear is not that you would be like anyone on that screen, but that you might just never share your faith at all. You may be intimidated enough or just fearful so that you never share it. And the key to your faith in Christ is that you're willing to share that faith. And so uh, what I'd like you to do is to pull out this card. It looks like this. Um, It'll come up on the side screens. And it says 10 years. Um, It's in your program. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand. One of our greeters will get that for you. Uh, But it says 10 years to celebrate. We're really excited. We're almost to adolescence. Okay? It's like pimples are going to be coming in the next few years. You know, we're all going to need Oxy-10 and stuff. But we've made it to 10 years, and we want to celebrate that. And we're creating a Sunday for you to invite your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors and your friends and family. So that then when they walk in, uh, they'll really feel comfortable. And we're going to talk about vision in their life. What's the vision of their life? And so I want to strongly encourage you to take one of these and to invite somebody. Did you know that statistics tell us that 60% of all people would say yes if they were simply invited. That's all you have to do is just invite them. And 60% of people said, I would go. And so I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of that. Now, when they come, don't just say, see you there, Joe, you know. And then Joe walks in and he's like, dude, where do I go, you know. Meet the person at the front and then take them and get them a donut or coffee or water. Bring them in here. Sit with them. It will make a big impact. Now, I know some of you are like, dude, I am way beyond cards. Like, I am social media. Like, do you have anything for me? We do. It's called Facebook. And uh, we have a Facebook invitation of the commercial that some of you probably saw when you walked in. We have a television 30-second commercial that's going out to many different cable uh, channels, and we have it on our Facebook page. And all you have to do is go to the, the JAR page, and near the top of it, you could read something that says, the JAR is turning 10 on October 26th. And with a video that's attached there of our television commercial. So under that video then, you'll see these three links that say like, um, comment, and share. And so feel free to do all three of those. Uh, You can go ahead and you can do all of those uh, at once. Like it, comment underneath the post, and then uh, share any thoughts on the commercial. And then put it on your timeline so that your friends can see it and uh, can write a little message on it. Uh, And you can invite all of your Facebook friends to actually come on the 26th because you're too cool for a card, right? And you want to do Facebook. So are you up for it? All right, let's do it. Okay, good. Um, Let's pray and we're going to jump right in. 
Uh, God, now we turn to your book, your wisdom book, called Proverbs. And we humble ourselves and we seek your wisdom this morning. God, as we were uh, singing the one uh, song, uh, Give Me Faith, I was just thinking that there are some people in this place that may feel very weak right now. And that their flesh is weak. And I pray right now, God, that you would pour within them in these next few minutes a wisdom that comes um, above and a wisdom that's beyond themselves. And that we would understand how to work in a way that is wiser. So come now, God, and speak to us. We're open. Whatever message you have from us, God, I pray that you would speak it to each person in this place. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of our lives can be broken up into thirds. We spend a third of our life weaking, uh, working. That didn't sound good, did it? Uh, a third of our life working, a third of our life sleeping, and a third of our life on the Internet. Not really. I made that last one up. But that last third, we actually spend a third of our life with family and with friends and in our free time doing whatever it is that we do. But if you think about it, if half of our waking hours, folks, is at the workplace, then we need some wisdom for how we deal with the workplace. And the book of Proverbs has much to say about what kind of attitude we should have when we go to work. Now, if I could reduce all of the book of Proverbs, all the nuggets that deal with work and the wisdom at work, um, it could all be kind of narrowed down to this one statement. And uh, let's go ahead and look at this statement. Uh, it says, God will pour his what? His favor on those who work what? Diligently and honestly. Let's... Uh, Say that out loud together. I know some of you are filling the blank people, and if you don't get them all filled in, you're going to have a panic attack. So uh, we'll put it back up here in just a second, just in case you didn't get it. But right now we're just going to read it out loud. God will pour his favor on those who work diligently and honestly. Now let's look at a few Proverbs that will come back up uh, here in a second, I promise, uh, that deal with diligence. First of all, Proverbs 12:11. A hard worker... In other words, a diligent worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense and probably no dollars either. Right? But definitely no sense. Okay. Proverbs 12:24. Work hard, work diligently, and you'll become a leader. You'll probably get a promotion. Be lazy and become a slave. You become unemployed. Proverbs 13:4. Lazy people want much, but they get little. But those who work hard, who work diligently, will what? What's it say? They'll prosper. Folks, here are three passages that encourage diligence in your work. Hard work. But there are dozens and dozens of proverbs that speak to this beyond these three. Also, I just want to remind you on the front side is that these Proverbs are not ultimate promises. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen that way. It just says that 
most of the world works like this. That if you do these kind of things, you will receive these results. This is the way it describes life most of the time. Now Solomon is the guy who wrote this. Uh, Solomon was uh, the wisest man in the Old Testament. He was David's son. And uh, he repeatedly throughout this week, or throughout uh, the scripture, talks about diligent work for workers. That generally speaking, if you work hard, if you work diligently, you will be rewarded by your companies, you will be rewarded by your boss, and you will be rewarded by God himself. Because what God will do is he will pour his what? What is it? His favor on you for those who work diligently and honestly. So what does it look like to be a diligent worker? Um, I heard a guy one time say, I give 100% every week at work. I was like, whoa. And he said, this is how I do it. I give 12% on Monday, 23% on Tuesday, 40% on Wednesday, 20% on Thursday. And you know the weekend's coming, so I only get 5% on those days, right? And some of you that manage people right now, you're like, I've got some people like that, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but he gives 100% every week. It's just kind of, you know, divided that way. Now, is that what a diligent worker should look like? In the first celebration, a couple of you were like, yeah. I'm like, no. The correct answer is always no, okay? So what does a diligent worker look like? Well, first of all, a diligent worker shows up on time. If I'm supposed to be there at 7, I'm there at 7. If I need to work till 3, I work till 3, and I show up ready to go and on time. Next, a diligent worker determines what is expected of him or her. If there is fuzziness in the position description, they don't go, I'm going to tell you what, man, my boss is a jerk, dude. He, like, told me this is what I'm supposed to do, and that's not what I'm supposed to do, so I'm not doing anything. No, that's not a diligent worker. A diligent worker says, hey, I want to get this fuzziness stuff taken care of. So they go to their boss, and they actually ask them, hey, this seems fuzzy to me. I want to do the best job that I can, so if you'll just tell me exactly what I'm supposed to do in this area, it'll be done. Next thing, a diligent worker expects, uh, exceeds expectations regularly, and let's say it out loud. Joyfully. Oh, good. Joyfully, yeah. If you have a sour attitude when you walk into work, you are not a diligent worker. So, I'm here. I'm getting a paycheck. What's that about? You know? No, you don't come in with a sour attitude. You come in with a joy-filled attitude. I remember counseling someone one time. They were like, my work is horrible and my boss is horrible and everything's horrible. And I'm like, you're pretty horrible too, you know? <laughs> and I said, why don't you just change your mind and go in joyfully? I said, do it for six months. Well, I don't know if I can do it. Do it for six months. You know, the person came back and said, actually, it wasn't just me that changed. The entire environment changed. Why? 
Because you have the power to do that with joy. Next thing. A diligent worker plays nice with his, with his or her fellow workers. It's not all about you. It's about the team. Uh, next. A diligent worker honors his or her supervisor. That is, they respect them. They honor people in authority. Even if the guy is a jerk, even if the girl is a jerk, you still honor the position. Why? Because that's what God's Word tells us to do. Next, diligent workers admit their mistakes. You know, one of the biggest fallacies uh, that there is, is that, and this goes through our heads, I see it in people all the time, that if I make a mistake, I should just hide it. Like if I hide it and no one else sees it, then it'll be okay. But actually, of the people that I talk to who are managers or supervisors, when I talk to them, I say, hey, when, a, when one of your workers makes a mistake, what honors you the most? They'll always say, it's not when they hide it. When they hide it, I get ticked. I want to tell them exactly what are you thinking. But when they come up to me and they say, hey, I dropped the ball. I fumbled it. I'm sorry. It won't happen again, but I own it. I take responsibility for it. When a person does that, folks, does their stock go up or go down? Up. Every time. Every time it goes up. Every once in a while, my staff, if they hide or conceal things from me and I find out, it ain't happy. You know? I mean, I might be preacher boy, but in my office, you don't do that right? Uh, we got issues. But if they come in to me and they say, hey, Chris, uh, there was this ministry area. I dropped the ball. I fumbled. I know why I did it wrong. This is why it happened. It won't happen again. I don't get angry. I'm like, good. You know, that's what a person who's growing does. Okay, next one. A diligent worker shares the credit with teammates. Any of you like the, uh, the credit hog? Anybody like the credit hog? Nobody likes that person. You ever see that happen before? You're like the boss is there. And he's like, man, you guys did a great job. And the loudest mouth steps up first and is like, well, actually, it was kind of my idea. And this is kind of what I did. And blah, blah, blah. And you're like, dude, you weren't even there. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one likes a credit hog. That never feels good. What I like to hear is when people say, you know what, the team did it. It was like yesterday, the carnival had a great team of people. And all of you that volunteered were so thankful for you. But it didn't happen because of one person. It happened because a team came together and the team wins. And hundreds of people came in here and got to understand, hey, you know, the jar might be a different kind of church. I might check it out sometime. Maybe some of you are here today. Next, a diligent worker resolves conflict quickly. Folks, there's always going to be friction in the workplace. There are people that get on your nerves in the workplace, right? Are there? Guess what? You get on their nerves too. I've been around some of you. I mean, I like you at church, but I don't know if I want to work with you, you know. What's going to happen? But a diligent worker goes right to the person and says, Hey, dude, let's just get this right. Let's reconcile this so that we can go forward and finish the project, whatever it is. Next, a diligent worker 
volunteers for extra assignments. In other words, they don't run for cover. Some of you that manage people, you see that, don't you? All of a sudden you're like, hey guys, we've got a big thing, we've got to get it together. And all of a sudden you see people like, oh, I'm sick, I've I got to go home early. Or I've got, you know, got to walk down to my office, I'll get back with you on that. Did you send out the mass email, right? And the person goes, oh, by the way, uh, you know, my kid's sick. Your kid isn't sick, you're sick, you know? Like serious, do people show up and say, I'll volunteer? What part of the project can I do? All right, next one. Diligent workers take responsibility to get better. Folks, if you want to develop in your job, whose responsibility is it? Yours. It's yours. We live in the information age. You can get anything you want on the Internet to get better at whatever job or skill or ability you have. It's your responsibility. In fact, it's your job to get better. You know, if you go into the workplace, folks, and you have these kind of attitudes, God's favor is going to fall on you. And you know what else happened? The favor and the rewards of your company and your workplace fall on you as well. Now, every once in a while, a person will come up to me and say, Hey, Chris. I really want to make a difference for Christ in my workplace. Now, immediately in my head, I'm like, rah, rah, shish, boom, bah, you know what I mean? But I don't want to look like a middle school cheerleader. So I process all that differently. And then I'm like, great, I'm so proud of you. And they're like, what should I do? And this is what I always say, work hard, work diligently. If you want people in your workplace to listen to you about your faith in Christ, add value to the company. Because people who add value to their workplace have great influence. Let me say that again. People who add value to your workplace have greater influence. It just is the way that it works. When you're one of the top workers, people will listen to you. They'll think, if you have thoughts or feelings, they'll listen to it. And you know what else they'll listen to? They'll listen to your religious beliefs. When you're respected and you're a diligent, honest worker. It's just the way the workplace works. Now, conversely, on the other hand, if you're a punch-in-the-clock worker, this is just my job, I'm punching in, I'm punching out, you're a weak worker. You have very little influence in the workplace. You can be the nicest person in the world. And you can be the most spiritual person in the world. But no one is going to listen to you. My first job out of college was I worked at the American Playground Factory in Anderson, Indiana. And I was just a grunt. But there was a guy there who did all of the slides, all the metal slides. And his name was Oscar. And Oscar was a, uh, a joyful, jolly person, walk in every day, he's always happy. And uh, he worked full-time at the playground, and then he had a kind of part-time uh, position as a pastor of a small church. And so I wanted to get to know him pretty well, and so I was like, hey, he's a pastor, this will be great, we'll get to know him. He's always so joyful and, and jolly. 
And so I started hanging out with him and I started noticing that he just didn't work. Like he was not a diligent worker. He skipped days. He clocked in late. He left early. Every time that there was something big and heavy, like a swirly slide that we had to move, and you're like, hey, we need all hands on deck. Where's Oscar at? He's already on the back dock taking a break. Now let me ask you this question. What do you think the guys thought about Oscar? Not much. Didn't think much about him at all. He was a nice guy. He just had no credibility. And so every time that he talked about Jesus or he evangelized, people were just like, wow, 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 wow. Why? Because he wasn't a diligent worker. Folks, if you want the blessing of God in your life, if you want to have impact in your workplace for God, be a diligent worker. And if you are, when you say a word for God to other people, guess what happens? Everybody listens. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to give tracts. Everybody listens. And you have favor and you have influence. Now, I want to bring this to kind of a laser focus for all of us this morning. And I want to ask you this question. If someday this week your company posted the top 5% of the workers in your company, would your name be on it? Would it? Really? I hope it would. Here's another question. If you left your workplace, would anyone even care? Would they be upset? Would they be like, oh, no, we, we can't lose them? Would they try to win you back, try to somehow increase your pay? Or would they say, good riddance, you know? Don't let it hit you where the good Lord split you, you know? Okay, let's look back to our key statement. Here it is. Let's read it out loud together again. God will pour his favor on those who work diligently and honestly. So let's look at the second part. We talked about diligence. Now let's work at honest thinking, honestly. Here's another uh, famous proverb, Proverbs 20, 23. says, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales... Do not please him. Now, in the ancient agrarian culture that Solomon's writing in, this farming community, all of their business was done with a scale. And they would take produce or whatever, and they would weigh it on a scale. And from that, they would put a weight there, and they would determine whatever the price point was. So, of course, what would happen was certain workers would figure out ways to rig the scales and how to alter the weights so that they could overcharge their customers. But Proverbs 20.23 says it about as clearly as it can be said, knock it off. It should not be that way with you. Don't mess with the scales. Don't alter the weights. Why? Because God detests it. It bothers God a lot. It infuriates Him to watch His kids 
rigging the scales. He will never pour his favor, folks, on anyone who is dishonest. Folks, nothing escapes God's notice. It might escape your boss's notice. It might escape your co-worker's notice. But it doesn't escape God's. And woe to the worker who cheats the business, who cheats the government, who cheats the customer. In full view of a holy God. And before I move on, may I just humbly ask this question. Are any of you involved in anything that is dishonest in your workplace? Anything. And if the Holy Spirit is like, ugh, make it right. Make it right. Well, what does it look like to work honestly? Well, first of all, we are to always tell the truth to your employer. What's the first word? No, come on. Sometimes, right? Just sometimes. Most of the time. Like on Monday, right after I came from church. But, you know, no, always tell the truth. Like I shared a few weeks ago, it's best to be wiser the first time. I mean, before the pain, before the firing, before the arrest, before the jail time. And you say, oh, that that wouldn't happen. No, it does. It happens to people all the time. Any of you seen what's happened with Muncie Community Schools with some of the treasures of different funds? What happened? They didn't take the tickets initially, but then over time, things just kind of happened. No, I bet none of them thought, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get caught. Stop it, folks. Go in, confess, do what you need to do, but tell the truth. Tomorrow, do you need to fix something? Do you need to stop something? Do you need to say something? Maybe you need to tell the group of guys that are like, hey, we're going with this. Say, no, I'm out. I went to church yesterday, and I learned that... The most important thing is God's favor, and I can't afford to lose that. And God is the only one who pours that special favor. And who does he pour it on? People who work honestly. Let me ask you this. Do you have anything in your house right now that belongs to your company? Post-it notes? Pens? Maybe something more, heavy equipment. If you need help, Celebrate Recovery meets on Thursdays at 7, and this is what can happen. Chuck Mock will help you take it back to the employer, okay? That's, that's the way it is. But return it. Let me ask you this. You got anything in your house that doesn't belong to you? Cool story. Just happened to me this week. I go get my hair cut. I'm getting my hair cut. And uh, the person who cuts my hair says, hey, that was a really great thing that your wife did. And I'm like, what'd she do? She's like, well, you know, she's been cleaning her, the garage. I'm like, you ain't believe You know, that's when I get my therapy with your, with your hairstylist, right? I mean, you like, or the barber, you just tell them everything, right? And I'm like, man, she's been doing this for two months. 
She's got this new job now, and she's got free time. It's like, you know, her garage is just looking really good, uh, you know. And so she said, yeah, she was cleaning everything up. And uh, she found some cornhole bags that we let you guys borrow about 10 years ago. (laughs) And we just thought we would, she just brought them to me and said, hey, these aren't mine, these are yours. Now, you know what? I I had to be real honest this week, and I was thinking if I were in that shoes, you know what I'd probably do? And I just mean this, honestly. I'd throw them away. And some of you don't look at there like, oh, Chris, don't believe. Oh, my, I can't believe our pastor. No. That ever happened before? You, you've had something so long that you think it's become yours, or you're like, well, it's cornhole baggies. Like, that was, they don't even do that anymore. I'll just throw it. No. You don't throw it away. You know what she said to me? She goes, you'll never know what that meant. That Jen remembered that those were ours. She goes, I didn't care about it. We don't even have that set anymore, but it meant something to me. Now let me ask you this. Do you think the favor of God just started like going into her life? You think she received it? Absolutely. Proud moment as a husband. Very proud. Next, another way to work honestly is to make amends in the workplace as quickly as possible. I talked about this in the diligence kind of thing as well. Folks, you are going to make mistakes in the workplace. You are. You're just going to do it. You're going to hurt people's feelings. You're going to say the wrong thing. But when you do, seek forgiveness and make amends with whoever it is. Now, you might ask, well, how do you do that? How do you go about seeking forgiveness in the workplace and making amends? Well, first of all, you have to ask yourself, who did I hurt? Who did I hurt? Now, some of you are sitting there right right now going, I haven't hurt anybody in my work. I haven't hurt a single person in my work. So I thought I'd create some questions just to help you to see if maybe there was something for you. Kind of jostle your memory a little bit. First of all, has, do you owe a debt to anyone at work? I don't care if it is a dollar for a Coke that you got. Okay, anybody you've broken a promise to? Is there anybody in your workplace, when everybody else started making fun of them, you just kind of jumped into the middle of it and you made fun of them too? Anybody you're guilty of over-controlling? Anybody you've been harsh with? Anybody you've been hypercritical of? Especially if you're at a management level. Someone's work you were just so hypercritical of. Anybody you've ever been verbally abusive to? Anybody you ever lied to? Now, is that enough, or do you want me to go ahead and, you know, put a few more in? It's probably somebody, right? So first of all, who did I hurt? Secondly, what did I do? Did you say something? Did you do something? Thirdly, why did I do that? Well, I did it because she is a jerk. 
No, 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 no. She might be a jerk, okay? But why did you do it? Because you were angry at that person. Maybe you're mad at them. Maybe you want to control them. I wanted to intimidate them. I wanted to look better in front of the boss, so I spread the jam a little bit thicker on what I did. Finally, what happened as a result? That helps the apology, folks, when you go through these steps to be sincere and heartfelt because you've thought through your motives and the pain or the hurt that maybe you caused the other person. Why should you do this? Why should you go through this process? Because Proverbs would say, God sends his favor to those that he cares about equally to his co-workers. He says, if you want to care for your co-workers, you treat them like this. And when you mess up, you make it right. One last one. Stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. Stay away from get-rich-quick schemes. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Anybody remember when Facebook first went public a few years ago? Everybody was like, dude. We are going to hit it big. Let's just like put some money into this. We're going to be rich quick because look what it's done in the private world. And so there were people that put tons of money, millions and millions and millions of dollars that they put in. And within six months, what happened to Facebook stock? It went straight down and was half of the value that it started with. And all of a sudden, people are like, man, my face doesn't look so good anymore. You know what I mean? It's not so good. There are several proverbs that say you should stay a country mile away from get-rich-quick schemes. Why? It's not God's way. If God wanted you to be rich, God is big enough to send any kind of amount of money into your life. He is. Do you know why God doesn't do that for some of you? Because you don't manage anything well. It would be like throwing money away for God to do that. So he's not going to do that. And you know what God's more concerned about than your bottom line, whatever you make? Your character. And he knows that if he gave a lot of wealth to some of you, your character would change. You know what he's more concerned about? Contentment. That he says, can you learn to live within your means where you're at now? And you know what happens? That when you do that, God financially blesses you eventually. Why? Because you've learned to say, I'm content. I'm content. Now, this one's just kind of my personal opinion. But, An example of get-rich-quick schemes is the lottery, folks. I don't know why any serious-minded Christ follower would play the lottery. Like, it just doesn't compute in my head. I mean, God gave you resources to do good in this world, to, like, care 
for your family to educate your kids. If he wanted you to be richer, folks, he can do it. Plus, I read a statistic this week. Mathematician of a prestigious university. You are 50 times more likely to be, to be hit by lightning than you are to win the mega lottery. So I, I want you to know, you can tell people, my pastor said he's going to play the lottery. When any of you get hit by lightning 49 times, when you get to the 50th, I'm right there with you, okay? Because I'm figuring at that point we're going to be lucky together. You know what I mean? I got to go any further on that? Okay. Now, let's look at our key statement again. It'll come up here. Let's read it out loud together. God will pour his favor on those who work diligently and honestly. Folks, everything in your career, everything in your job comes down to a dynamic that says, I want to work diligently. I want to work honestly. And when I do that, God's favor comes to me. His favor of your life is what you want. Now, here's one other proverb. It says it kind of poetically. You see a person skilled in their work. I mean, diligent. They're honest. They're hardworking. They will stand before kings and not before obscure people. Now, this is a kind of ancient, poetic way of saying God can take the most obscure person that nobody else knows at all and honor them and favor them dramatically that eventually they do their work before a king. God can raise people. He can raise you up to the highest levels of whatever company you work for. He has that type of favor capability. And he will do it for those who work honestly and diligently. Anybody know who this is? Probably not. His name is Eugene Allen. Born in 1919, Scottsville, Virginia. He endured the horrific southern segregation and Jim Crow laws. He actually grew up on a plantation where he served all the people in the house as a houseboy. But he just kept working diligently and honestly, and eventually he became a waiter at a resort in Hot Springs, Virginia. And then he became a waiter at a country club in Washington, D.C. And he just kept working hard and honest, and eventually he actually became a butler at the White House. Take a look at this clip. And uh, when I first called him, um, he did not know why I was calling, and, and I told him because I had heard that he had worked for three presidents at the White House. He quickly corrected me and said, 
it was eight presidents. And that was pretty astounding. One man's life through the decades of American history. This was a gentleman who never missed a day of work in 34 years. And uh, he did not know how the civil rights movement was going to evolve. He was very consistent. And there is power in consistency. And I think that's a beautiful thing about, um, about his life. He saw all this. Uh, he took all these stories home to his wife. And, um, and it just sort of um, grew into this saga, uh, this, uh, this epic saga about his life. And I think it lent itself very well to cinema. And I think it lent itself very well to an expanded version of his life in book form. Now, some of you may have uh, seen that movie, uh, The Butler. But I looked about Eugene's uh, life and I read about him this week. I don't know if you got that on the clip or not, but he never missed a day of work in 34 years. Think about that. 34 years, never missed a day of work. He served eight different presidents. And this is what I found that the movie doesn't really ever talk about. He was a, a solid Christ follower who was an usher at his church for six decades. He served people in the church as well. And because of everything, God's favor came on his life. And you know what's interesting? He died in 2010. Guess where the favor of his life has gone now? His family. Why? Because he worked honestly. He worked diligently. And God's favor was on his life. He not only worked for eight presidents, he actually became friends with some of them. Uh, Ronald Reagan one time, uh, in the movie it talks about it, and it's a true story, said, no, you're not serving me today. You're coming as my friend and you're going to sit at a table for the state house dinner. And he and his wife came, and they were there with the president. Remember that proverb again? What's it say? Do you see a person skilled in their work? They will stand before kings and not before obscure people. And this was fulfilled in his life. <laughs> Folks, let me close by saying this. God has a limitless capacity to pour his favor into your life. He has a limitless power. He has a limitless love for each of you. And so what happens? God looks down upon planet earth and he searches to see if he can find any diligent and honest working people who are willing to make a difference in their workplace for him. And he has all this favor that's in heaven that he's looking to give to people who work diligently and honestly. So make yourself eligible for his favor. Yes? Yes. Today, uh, we have first steps with Chris. 
And we would love for any of you, if this is your first time, it only takes about 15 minutes, but uh, I'd love to meet you. It'll be right uh, down this hallway and to the left. If you've never gone before, come, kind of get where we're going, and uh, we would love to have you there. Uh, If you would, let's stand for closing prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team uh, to come up. And uh, I was just talking to a woman today who lost her job this week. And I was just thinking that some of you might be unemployed or underemployed or something's going on in your work, something spoke to you today, and these folks would love to pray with you. And so if you want to come up, uh, Tom and Cindy will be here. They'd love to, love to pray with you. Now, the way we're going to close is like we have each time by having a benediction, kind of a blessing that we're going to read together. And we're going to do so uh, in a wisdom kind of way by having a good friend of mine, uh, Justin Witt, come up. So uh, let's give Justin a hand as he uh, comes up here. Now, uh, Justin is kind of a hero in the workplace for me. Uh, He works hard and uh, just like solid integrity. In fact, I was uh, was just visiting a person last night in the hospital. And they were telling me, they were like, oh, man, he was just so solid with us this week. Made us feel so much at peace. And um, Justin uh, manages close to 70 people at uh, the residency where he is the director of. And he's at a high level of leadership. And uh, many times when uh, I have leadership questions, um, I'll kind of see what's going on with Justin so that we can kind of get better with that. And um, he has experienced, folks, God's favor on his life. And uh, it's such a gift. And uh, the thing that I value probably the most is uh, the constant encouragement that he's been to me and my family, and uh, what a gift. So um, listen as uh, Justin kind of leads us in our wisdom uh, benediction uh, today. Yep. Good morning. So what a gift uh, Chris's friendship is in my life as well. As we continue to ponder the... Uh, way to be wiser in our words, let us declare as a church in one strong voice the following benediction. Will you say with me? Here we stand, united by the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We confess that we have depended on our own insights and hoped that would be enough. God, in this moment, help us put that way of thinking to rest. Guide our community as we practice what has been instilled in us today, we ask for your divine wisdom to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new here, please stop by the Guest Connections table. It's the table with the blue banner near the door on the way out. We have a special gift for you. Always know that you're loved in this place and have a great week. Thank you.